from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 173. Today's show is brought to you by Balance, Text Expander, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Federico Vatici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. How are you? I'm very well. Mr. Stephen Hackett, how are you? I'm good. Glad to be here with you, boys. It's our last show show. of the year. The last show of the year. I know. Mm, Look at that. So what are we going to do now? Well, that's... Uh, We're we're going to hug? Oh, yeah. We're going to hug... Um, I have to mm-hmm. tell you, I have to give you to the the bad news that um, <laughs> there's bad news. Upgrades going to catch up to yeah. to the numbers. Oh no! Because we're taking a week off. We take a week off. Upgrade never sleeps. Oh. The upgrade machine never Why sleeps. Why don't you take the week off with upgrade? It's no. not fair. We, because Jason is older, he should be taking the week <laughs> off. <You> should. <laughs> this is not fair. Well, <laughs> he Jason Jason works twenty four seven, so got to show up. Oh man! Go check it out. The next episode of Upgrade, the holiday special, is going to be real good. Mm, this is not fair. I'm really annoyed by this uh, number change, Mike. It's mm-hmm. been one of the things that's been keeping me keeping me happy on relay. Is that plus one? Well, I guess wow. we could just do a bonus episode at some point. That that would be a way around it. Yeah, a thirty seconds show just because, so we can have a another bigger number. So yeah, basically, mm-hmm. some point in 2018, we just have to put two episodes out in one week, and we'll get the number back. Okay. Right, cool. There we go. Sounds That's good. Plan is made. Ter- ter- terrible news, Mike, for the last <laughs> show of the year. This is terrible news. Starting on a real downer today. Just ruining my holidays already. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, because the rest of 2017 was such a delight. Yeah. <laughs> right? And on top of that, even... Ah, okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. We're going to start by talking about Secure Boot. Everyone's favorite topic, the iMac Pro, comes with... This super weird T2 chip, which is like the next generation of what mm-hmm. we see in the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. And it seems like the T1 was sort of based loosely on like the, what's the system chip in the Apple Watch? The S series? S1, S2? Yeah. Nope. They're, they're, we talk about Apple's chip naming, guys. Too many letters. Well, that's why that's why they start giving them those fun names, right? Like Bionic yeah. and stuff like that. Why does the watch chip start with S, but the AirPod chip starts with a W, but the iPad chip starts with A. What are you doing? Because if you put it all together, it says WAST. <laughs> and so you know that the next one needs to be an E, so it's waste. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. Wow. <laughs> and then we all look at what we've done with our lives. It's the, it's the WAST strategy. It's what, what it's all about. about I'm WAST. sure that's what they're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, the T2 in the iMac Pro does a whole lot of stuff. So it has the webcam uh, protection, like the MacBook Pros with Touch Bar do. But it also, this chip runs the the uh, disk encryption. It's like the SSD controller. It's a lot of stuff that used to be handled by like, discrete little bits on the logic board are now all routed through this chip. Mm-hmm. And one thing that it does is what Apple is calling secure boot. And in a nutshell, what this does is it checks the integrity of Mac OS or as we will see, Windows, if you're running boot camp, and says, okay, this OS hasn't been fiddled with. It, it it checks out. It is what I trust it to be. So you can boot. And there are a couple different levels. You can do full security. You can do uh, medium security. Or you can do no security, which is basically what we have now on every other Mac. This is interesting for a couple of reasons. And I'm, I'm wondering... What do you guys think about this? I think this is probably the future of Mac hardware, that we are going to see 
more stuff like this, where it's still running on an Intel CPU, but there's an ARM chip in there, whether it's based on an A-series or an S-series or whatever, uh, Federico's upcoming E-series of chips mm-hmm. designed by Federico himself. Mm-hmm. Is the E stand for espresso? Oh my God, it does. No, the, yes, e, the e, e stands for Tichi. <laughs> it's, the, it's the E of the famous E of Tichi. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally uh-huh. makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is what he's well known for. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know what we think about these? You want to know what we think? Yeah, about I this? think we're going to see more of this, right? All of right. Apple doing custom stuff with custom silicon. Yes, because. I consider it. I think the further we go along this path, the less likely we are to see macOS running on ARM. Personally, is how I feel about this. I, I think that if Apple wants to do something drastic like that, it's probably best to start over or start with an operating system foundation which is already running on ARM <laughs> iOS. But um, I just I don't imagine uh, them porting macOS to ARM. I just don't see it. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think what makes more sense is that they do something like this uh, where they are moving some functionality over mm-hmm. to um, different chipsets. Chipsets that they control, mm-hmm. chipsets that they make and that they're able to make advancements to macOS in that direction. So they know how to make stuff secure um, in a way, in their own way better than Intel would for them or whatever, whoever chip they're going to be using. So, uh, yeah, they will just keep shoving this stuff into their own chips and filling them up. They're filling up their machines with this stuff. That's that's how I see it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think it makes sense, especially because... Now, I'm not an expert, but I guess if they if they were to move macOS to, uh, to ARM chips, um, now that they are committed again to, to the pro Mac computers... If they move just one of them, ideally they should move them all. And I'm not sure if they can make that kind of Mac Pro or I should say iMac Pro because we don't know about the Mac Pro, but the iMac Pro performance, can you get that on an ARM CPU or system on a chip right now? Nope. So I, I <laughs> guess not. And maybe not for the foreseeable future. So I guess it makes more sense to make the powerful Mac that an Intel chip can can grant you right now and delegate some tasks um, to the system that you control, which is the you know these proprietary chips. And I guess we'll see more and more system features eventually move to that. So um, I'm not sure if it does power nap right now, but that's the kind of like energy saving or privacy features. You know th- those kinds of additions to the to the to the system. You know the kind of stuff that Apple likes to integrate the software and the hardware together. That's perfect for for that kind of chip. So. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think we'll see more of this and we'll see more system features be controlled by this system. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think there's something to be said here too that Apple gives you the option. So if you want the full security, you want full, you know, hey, only signed OSs currently trusted by Apple can run, then that's um, available if you want it. And I, I don't know what the default is on these machines. Like I, I didn't see, I haven't s- seen anybody say what the default is. My guess is that full security is the default, right. but if you're in an environment where you need to boot something uh, that isn't trusted for whatever reason, so maybe you need to boot uh, into Linux or maybe. And so several weeks ago, maybe like a month ago, I think we talked about on the show, but I know I wrote about it. This, 
like whisper that I, I keep hearing that Apple is going to be more aggressive with making sure people are running the most up-to-date version of the OS on the Mac. And it could be that, hey, if you want full security, you have to be on the current version of the OS within 60 days. But say that you're someone like Mike, who is still running Sierra and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Forever! Um, okay. Then... <laughs> Maybe you lose the ability to run in full security mode and you go to medium. That Sierra used to be trusted, but it's not anymore because we want you to be on the new one. So you have to go into recovery mode and change this setting. There's a lot of that, that fine detail that needs to be worked out because we just – no one has these machines yet. They're, they're not shipping for another like week or so. Uh, there's also the conversation to be had, and we're not the people to have it, but this conversation is out there of – is this security that actually matters? Like, is the Mac actually vulnerable in any meaningful way uh, to the OS being tinkered with, rather, you know, whether it be locally or remotely? Like, how many Mac users are running an OS that would fail this system check? Uh, I don't know what the number is. My guess is the number is small, if it exists at all. And so... There's a conversation to be had of Apple's adding complexity in a security system that doesn't really address any real world needs. And I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't even know, honestly, that's a conversation worth having because I think personally that any security, as long as it doesn't get in the way of convenience or things you need to do in your system, uh, that's a good thing. And since you can turn this off, it doesn't get in the way. Like, so if you're in an enterprise environment and you do something crazy, you just set this off, you set this off, this, you know, to no security and you're fine. Um, so I, but I do think, you know, all that said, we're we're at the beginning of some sort of new era of Mac hardware where these ARM chips, this custom silicon that Apple can do, is doing things that Apple used to rely on Intel for uh, or that they can do uh, that's new, something like this. And o- other manufacturers have like system integrity checks. Um, you can get that on, on some PC uh, motherboards, but this is Apple's take on it. And uh, I just I'm very curious to see where this goes in the future. You know, will this roll out eventually to a, a ten, you know, a ten ninety nine or eleven hundred dollar uh, MacBook? Yeah, I think it will. It may take some time because these parts are expensive. That's why we're seeing it on the Mac, on the iMac Pro first. But I think several years into this, every Mac's going to have this sort of security built in. Uh, moving right on to Apple TV screensaver info. So I, I had the suggestion last week that the Apple TV, you know, beautiful aerial screensavers that you could pull down on the Siri remote or do or do something and the Apple TV could tell you what you're looking at. I have since floated this idea with basically everyone I know with an Apple TV and like everyone agrees with me, so I feel like it's a pretty good idea. Uh, so Apple, you should do it. Uh, but uh, Benjamin Mayo over on his blog, this is a couple years uh, old now, uh, so this isn't, I don't think this includes all the current screensavers. Uh, I'm not sure. I think there are new ones, by the way. Like, I was yeah. looking at my Apple TV yesterday, and I'm sure that there were a couple, like especially one of Dubai that I've never seen before. It was like, you know that really tall building? What is it called? The... Is it... Uh, mm-hmm. Wiz Khalifa? Yes. No, Wiz Khalifa's a rapper. Wiz Khalifa's <laughs> a rapper, <laughs> Incredible! Mark. What is it called? Burj Khalifa? Something like that? Something. Something Khalifa. What is it called? Uh, Burj Khalifa. There you go. I, I knew as I said it, I was like, I'm sure this is a person as it was coming out of my mouth. But it's close enough. The Burj Khalifa, it had, I'm pretty sure it was that. And I'd never seen that in the Apple TV screensaver. Is that the one where it's all sparkly at night? Yeah. 
Yeah, that one's really cool. It, it looked uh, new to me. I mean, I don't remember so, seeing it. But. So this website may be up to date. I don't know if it is or not. Anyways, Incredible. what he has done, some subset or all of the screensavers are on here. And you can click through this little menu and it tells you where they are. Oh, yeah. That one's already on here. That one that I'm talking about. So yeah. maybe isn't that new. Uh, so anyways, this is cool. Uh, go check it out if you're curious about this. But this should be in TVOS somewhere. Like, I think it would be nice for Apple to uh, expose it somewhere. Because everyone, I, I've talked about this. Like, I was at a Christmas party, and, like, the house we were at had an Apple TV. Um, and actually had the screensaver going. I was, like, well, I was like, hey, everybody. I'm a smart nerd. Wouldn't it be cool if it did this? And, like, yeah, it's a great idea. Do you think so, they may have know. just said that to shut you up? It's possible. It's like, oh, good, here he goes again. It's Talking possible. about his Apple TV screensavers. This is so beautiful. Yeah, they're really nice. You, There is, maybe we could dig it up. There is a, a Mac screensaver someone put together that you can play them on your Mac. But as it you might imagine, it involves a lot of data download and it has mm-hmm. to store that mm-hmm. stuff on your drive somewhere. So uh, I don't I don't run it. But uh, I actually run the, like the slideshow one with all the relay member-only wallpapers because it's pretty. But uh, you can do it on your Mac too if you want. All right. Woo. Item number three. Amazon says Prime Video has most first-week downloads of any Apple TV app ever, according to bestappletv.com. Uh, I found it through Mac Rumors. Mm-hmm. How do they know this? How do they know this? I find this incredibly interesting because Apple is probably not going to tell Amazon, hey, you know, you got more downloads than anyone. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Unless they're just like, trying to like make them happy, right? You know, It's like, oh, good job, kid, gold star. Maybe that's what Tim Cook did to Jeff Bezos. G- gave him a gold star sticker. Mm. So who knows if this is accurate or not. I believe that this blog was told this. Uh, I'm not doubting the blogger. I'm doubting the, the fact that it's actually true. I don't buy uh, it. I don't buy it. I think Netflix would be more. Right, it's got to be right. I like, I feel like Netflix would be would be more than this, or maybe even something like HBO just for Game of Thrones. Like, I don't see why specifically Amazon Prime would be the biggest. The only yeah, reason I'm, I can think is like if it's somehow gotten confused because Apple automatically installed it onto older Apple TVs. I don't know if that might maybe. be a thing, and that boosted the number. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't seem likely to me that it would just specifically just say oh yeah yeah this is the best now because it's amazon i don't know but that seems weird to me mm-hmm. i don't know how how would amazon know about other tvos downloads unless apple told them yeah it would have like, to the only way they can notice is if apple has told them but i can't yeah. imagine them doing that and if they did they definitely shouldn't be telling that to other people mm-hmm. right link it's like oh thanks for the information right. let's call bestappletv.com and tell them <laughs> this seems <Yeah>. very strange. <laughs> it's a very strange story. Very strange website to to release this kind of statement. To I don't know. I don't know how this happened. Uh, I'm skeptical though. Uh, something doesn't add up here. Uh, especially Amazon Prime Video. I mean, like Netflix, for example. Yeah. Or like there's other stuff on TVOS that. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. Okay. Good job, Amazon. I guess. Yeah. If true. Huge if true. Huge if true. Uh, Twitterific has added a true black iOS theme. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tweetbot, Mm -hmm. what you doing? Come on. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Twitterific is getting better and better all the time. Um, Yeah, it is. And as I always say, uh, there's a feature that keeps me um, 
in Tweetbot, yep. which is the the multi-column layout on yep. the iPad. Yep. And I really think that Twitterific should should have that feature, especially because on the Mac you can do multiple windows, so they sort of have the same mm, system in place on another yep. platform. And the iPad is just you know Twitterific on the iPad is the kind of app that it's like pre iOS nine kind of application that it's mm-hmm. like a giant iPhone layout basically yeah. i mean they have a sidebar but it's not enough um yeah i really would like terrific to have more like drag and drop or multi-column that kind of stuff all right as mike mentioned this is our our last show for the year we were taking next week the week of christmas uh taking that off we'll be back on january 2nd with our text apple tech stories of the year episode kind of year in review uh we're putting that document together now uh, I say we, it's mostly been Mike and Federico so far, so thank you guys for that. Uh, but you can tweet with the hashtag ConnectedYear, all one word, and uh, we will look through that and make sure that those stories that, that jump out uh, are in there. So uh, we have a bunch of submissions already, so thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, so off next week, Upgrade catches up with us, uh, episode number wise, and then we're back on the second with uh, mm-hmm. Connected Year. Spoiler, it's all about Planet of the Apps. It's a two-hour discussion yep. about Planet of the Apps. Was that this year? We finally watched it all, uh, and we're going <laughs> to give you a... Uh, Do you know? Do we're you know gonna, actually, still... we're going to become one of those shows that like does an entire episode talking about one minute of a thing. Have you, have you seen this? You get like Star Wars Minute and stuff like that. We're going to mm. become Planet of the Apps Minute next year, and okay. we're just going to watch that and every episode talk about the next minute of the TV series. So you mm. can look ahead to that exciting content coming your way um, in 2018. Still haven't watched the first episode of Planet of the Apps. I feel like it's maybe too late because those apps yep. have been... I don't pulled from the app store. <laughs> especially, especially it was too late because it was connected homework um, very long time ago now. So yeah. You're very yeah, we recorded an episode about it. Did we you did. not watch it? No, we didn't. Uh, I was I was at the beach and yeah, you didn't watch it. Uh, yeah, I, I reckon that one of the, I reckon it was Federico's idea in the first place, and then he just never watched <laughs> it. That's how I reckon that one went down. Today's show is brought to you by Balance Open, a free open source Mac app for checking Coinbase, the popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Balance Open is simply the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything. Balance wants to help teach you about cryptocurrencies in case you are living under a rock. This is becoming a real big thing, and they're going to do that by starting you on your way. Go to bal.money slash relay. And if you want to first 1,000 people to go there from this episode, you will receive $2 in Ether, which is the Ethereum currency for free, as a gift from Balance. Go check it out today, find out more, and try out Balance Open, the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of cryptocurrency. Our thanks to Balance for their support of this show. All right, so there is a game, there's a video game, which was had a lot of hype to it and was very delayed on Xbox called Cuphead. And it's mm. currently on Xbox now. It came out a, month, a couple of months ago. It's on Windows PCs too. Um, but it is a game which is drawn in like an old Disney cartoon style. It is probably one of the most beautiful video games ever made. It's why it won. I think it won uh, Best Art Direction at the Video Game Awards, rightfully so. Uh, because it is just a stunning achievement. A beautiful, beautiful game. Yesterday, I saw people tweeting about the fact that Cuphead was magically released on the App Store. I got very excited, 
It was five pounds. I bought it. I tweeted about it. It was a very exciting day. This seemed to me to be completely (laughs) something that I would expect because over the last couple of weeks, this has been a trend. A bunch of really popular games on other platforms that have been on consoles and stuff like that have been just randomly launching on iOS. Me and Federico have been talking about this privately. The expectation is that Apple is trying to bring in a bunch of games for the holidays and they're not talk the developers are not talking about them because they want them to become big stories on the app store right so like in app store articles so i think apple are wanting to do that i think it's like a two-pronged attack they want to bring these games in but they also want to do big articles on the app store pages so that's where people are going to get the news about this information so like games like fez and inside and uh, what what other ones federico have been launching Fez inside. Uh, there's um, that that puzzle game that I cannot pronounce the, the name. Go, uh, the, the Witness oh, and Gorogo. Yeah, Gorogoa, which is a game that's like just come out on Nintendo Switch. Um, yeah. yeah, there have been like a lot of games coming out. So also, I downloaded it, started it up, and it was working. I was playing it. It, it seemed like a bit of a bad port, honestly. Uh, but I was like, <laughs> okay, like this happens sometimes. Like. And plus, Cuphead is notorious. It has notoriously difficult controls. So the fact that the controls were difficult didn't really faze me. Then it turned out that this was a fake. This was a scam app. Um, again, like the fact that the developer didn't pre-announce it was not a thing that stood out in my mind because that's a trend at the moment. But uh, and it, the name of the developer was there. You could go to the website, look legit. But no, it was a very, very good-looking scam, like a fake app. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange, like, not strange, I'm just surprised that um, even after all these years of the App Store and with the redesign and all sort of the kind of work that Apple is doing um, to ensure quality, I guess, on the App Store, this kind of scam can still happen, especially for this kind of high-profile title and, you know, high-profile game. And I've been wondering, because, I mean, you can try so many things, you're not going to stop the bad guys, uh, Mm -hmm. but... I, I've been wondering whether there should be a system in place at AppReview at Apple to just maybe scan for popular games from other platforms because you know that these these folks are going to try and scam people by saying, oh, look, you can now play the latest Assassin's Creed on iOS. No, you cannot play Origins on iOS. And I wonder if, for me, like, how much work would it be to just put up a system in place that you have a list of the popular games that are not actually coming to iOS, and if you see a submission like that, you have the system that filters the, the game and says, well, let me get in touch with this company and see what's up. And also... Uh, Touch Arcade, that was also fooled by this release, they did an investigation into this person, and apparently it seems to be a repeat offender uh, that in the past put up multiple scam applications on, on, on the App Store. So it's not like it's, you know, some some crazy, complex plan. It's just some person... Um, I'm not sure if, if the domain was registered in China or in Russia... Uh, that did this in the past multiple times with other with other names, of course, on the App Store, but it's still the same scheme. You take a game that is on other platforms, you make a fake shell on iOS, and you post it on the App Store. And somehow you get approved, you get a bunch of money, and then people ask for a refund, so nobody knows what happens to their money. I got a refund, by the way, before people tell me to get a refund. I got, And, like, this isn't... I don't really do this kind of thing like if I, I never ask for refunds of apps i think this might be the first time i've ever done it 
Um, and the only reason I did this was because it was a scam. Like, if I download an app and don't like it, I don't ask for a refund. Like, I, I that, that's just. I mean, if you do, that's totally cool. Like, that's a thing you are allowed to do. But I don't do it. It's really easy in the European Union because there's like, or in the UK at least, because there's like this fourteen day <laughs> refund thing. So like, I I can't remember the exact wording, but I could just be like. Nah, cancelling the purchase and like you get 14 days in which you can just do it that simply and it's just done. Um, but, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I I got the refund for it. But but yeah, I, I think this... Okay, so like I don't know how many apps are being submitted and I'm sure it's a lot. But the most cursory of Google searches for the word Cuphead would have unearthed this. Because if someone would have searched this, right, they would have found that Cuphead was a really big title and then maybe apple should have tried to contact the developer like the actual developer and confirm with them that they're launching their title on the app store like this is a game which came out like a couple of months ago on xbox right like if they Mm -hmm. if somebody would have just searched the word cuphead they could have got to this and then they could go through official channels to contact the developer like via the developers on website and just be like hey guys are you launching an app? Because we, honestly, we'd really like to promote this. So, I mean, again, like I don't know what the actual process is. I don't know how long it takes. I don't know how many submissions are happening. But this is a way where something like this could have been solved. Um, but but yeah, that that that's just a thought. I mean, that that's a nice thought, but I I don't think it scales. And the app store submission review team is different than editorial. So they probably don't have any say or like me, like I said, I don't play video games. Like people going crazy on Twitter that this app was on the app. So I was like, Oh, that must be a game. Right. But I had no, the name had no importance to me before this was a story. And so are you going to make every app submission go through a Google search, which is like highly like super easy to scan. These people built a website saying the Cupheads was coming to iOS, right? Like, they, they could have seen the wrong. That, I think, is, like, not a, a real scalable solution. I'm not saying scalable solution. It just is a solution. It is, but, like... Right, if, but I'm not, I'm not saying it's realistic. Well, what I think would be m- maybe slightly more realistic is, is there some way for Apple to verify uh, developer IDs where if you were... You know, just open it for Twitter verification. What could go wrong? Uh, having some way where high-profile developers have um, some sort of mechanism to say, this is actually us. And this this person or this group of people, having done this multiple times, like clearly there's a way to game the developer ID system where, hey, you know, these are coming from the same IP address and this is a, a known... Uh, uh, scam, you know, shop or whatever, scam developer, like Apple should have protections in place at that level so they don't have to complicate and therefore slow down app review. Uh, it's all very messy, right? And my my answer has lots of problems too. Um, but it's uh, it's troubling, especially since this is a repeat offender. That's the worst part about this, is that this this person or group of people, they have done this before to the app store, and their their next submission just came on through. And there's got to be something in that chain that could be adjusted. And it's a fascinating story. Uh, Touch Arcade did some investigation into this game. And because it's somewhat playable, um, they got an email uh, from someone, they uh, from a source, that says that this game was like based on 
I mean, of course, based on real assets, real graphics from the game, and that it was kind of like leaked from uh, a company that, uh, like an outfit, like a development outfit that had been tasked with porting Cuphead to iOS. And that somehow in this process, the real assets of the game got leaked to this other person who uh, released it as a scam on the App Store, uh, as an unfinished um, game, because I don't think you can even play this game much. Yeah, um, I, I played just like five minutes of it to confirm that, <laughs> in my mind, to confirm that it was real, because I had people saying to me, this can't be legit. So like I booted it up, tried it, I was like, yeah, no, it works. So like for yeah. me, it was like, yeah, it, that's it, fine. It is the real game. It is the real game, which is strange, because usually... Most uh, scams, they 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 maybe have a quote unquote real name and a mm-hmm. real icon, but then when you open the game, it's like some something else completely. Um, like last year, there was a there was a, a scam for Astroneer, you know, the space game that's yep. on Steam, and it kind of looked real from the screenshots and the icon, but then you open the game, and it was like <laughs> like ugly graphics uh, with with a with a spaceman <laughs> in poor 3D walking in in an empty desert. And it was obviously mm-hmm. not Astroneer. Uh, but in this case, it's the real game. So I wonder, like, does, there, there must be a story behind this. Or maybe a port is indeed happening, and uh, this was a really bad alpha version of that port. Or it's an emulation. Uh, it's, it's an emulator somehow running in low res on, on iOS. But it seems like a lot of work to make an emulator for a scam that you know it's going to get caught and you're not going to get the money. Uh, it, it feels to me more like just trying to make a mess for revenge or something like that. Like, I don't know. No, it's, the, it's the, a cash grab, right? Because it is a game that is hot right now and it was a five, and it's five dollars five pounds that people would play pay to get it like if cuphead actually launched you would pay five pounds for it because you can currently it costs you 40 right so like mm. it feels like a good deal people like me i bought it immediately because i was like hell yeah i wanted to play this game now i can just play it on my ipad right so like i think that there is just a opportunity cash grab to it um which probably worked for a period of time provided that all that money wasn't just refunded, which it might not necessarily be. I mean, some people may just buy it and just be like, this app, this this stinks, and then just never play it. Apple should auto-refund those customers. They should. I don't know if they have, um, but they, they should. Provided they even know. I mean, is it still on? I guess it's taken down. No, now. it's got, it's off the app. It was off the App Store within a couple hours. Yeah, I they think. should auto-refund it because it shouldn't have been there in the first place. Like, And that does fall on Apple, no matter whether they could have found it or not. Like, The fact that they have a gatekeeper system means that something like this is on them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was super strange. Let's go from some fake games to some real games. Um, there, I saw a couple of games uh, that are doing really strange things with the iPhone X over at Mac Stories, which is Federico's wonderful website. One called uh, Rainbrow or Rainbow, and another mm. called Nose Zone, which uses the true depth camera in some strange ra- ways. Like Rainbrow, you use your eyebrows to play a super simple Frogger like yeah. game. You yeah. just move your eyebrows up and down to move a character up and down the screen to collect points and dodge emoji that are trying to attack you. And the, a game, the game, uh, what is what is the nose one again? What's it called? Nose zone. Nose zone. Where so, yeah. you point in your face at the screen and your nose is a laser cannon. 
and yeah. wherever your nose points <laughs> blows up targets. Obviously, yeah. these are super basic and almost tech mm-hmm. demos, really, for, for the true depth stuff and the, the face APIs. But it is interesting to see people playing around with this stuff. I will yeah. say that I Rainbrow is fun, but it is uncomfortable to play for more than 20 seconds. Yeah. Like it just yeah. feels strange to be like frowning and in an excited face over and over again. But what's impressive and what a uh, few people have told me on Twitter is that the game even works if you don't have eyebrows. Uh, and that totally makes sense because the true depth camera, it doesn't actually scan for your eyebrows, but it uh, constructs a 3D representation of the muscles around your eyes. And of course, even if you don't have eyebrows, you can still, uh, you can still frown and uh, raise, uh, you know, and make different expressions and it's going to work because it's recognizing the muscles around of your face, not actually your, high, uh, your eyebrows or your hair. Um, so that's impressive. And of course, it's, it's a tech demo for now, even Nose Zone it uses the, um, the AR kit face tracking, uh, the, the, the face mesh geometry stuff yep. um, to superimpose the, this... this uh, face graphics on screen uh, and they're super basic but it gives you the idea of how there could be some more uh, useful applications of this that that it's not necessarily like um, face filters or games but as i as i wrote in my in my iphone 10 story i could totally see like an emoji picker that uh, behind the scenes it, you don't even see a camera view you just make a make an expression and you're going to get like auto suggestions in the emoji picker i could see like a bunch of um system features or utilities that have some kind of visual expression component like of course there's emoji that smile or that are sad and i could see how behind the scenes you could have true depth um, making suggestions based on what you're doing uh but what's impressive to me is that even in in rainbow uh, there's no camera view so you, it's not like you see like a tiny picture-in-picture picture preview uh, preview of your face in the corner. You just make an expression and the game reacts. Yep. And that that disconnection, if you will, that the, there's no point of contact. There's no visual preview that says here's you making a face. No, you just you just work with your face. You just uh, uh, issue the commands with your face, and the game reacts. And that's um. It's weird, but it's also technically impressive, I think. It, it, it could open up a lot of opportunities for uh, from the accessibility angle as well. You know, to be able to use apps or even part of the interface with just facial expressions mm, yeah. uh, could be could be big for, for some users. So uh, I think it's cool. You know, I think that we're d- clearly at the beginning days of this. You know, clearly, we're going to learn what works and what doesn't and, you know... Uh, these these games and demos will will come and go, but I do think there's a real uh, interesting opportunity here for developers and users to explore, and I, and I hope that we see uh, see some options for for users who this could allow them to use an iPhone, uh, maybe even for the first time, or definitely in a way that that's more um, uh, more convenient for them. And you know, could some of this stuff get baked into the OS even? You know, where Apple has some accessibility options for. Uh, some navigation through facial expressions. Uh, that, I think, is really exciting. So hopefully we see more of it. All right, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Smile. And today I want to talk to you about Text Expander because Text Expander will let you communicate smarter. If you're listening to this and you haven't yet downloaded Text Expander, listen up because Text Expander can save you time. 
Who doesn't want to save time? Especially like now, I feel like I'm in a mad rush at the holiday season because I know I have limited amount of days for people to actually respond to anything that I'm sending them. So time is of the essence. Like, think about the last time that you were at a networking event or, or maybe a conference where you met a bunch of new people. And you know that you want to stay in touch with these people, but emailing all of them individually can take so much time. But not with Text Expander. All you need to do is create one snippet. Use fill-in fields for the contact name and maybe set a custom topic so you can personalize it a little bit. Then open up your email and you can send your follow-ups in just a matter of minutes, just firing them off with one quick keyboard shortcut. So then you've managed to check in and start all of those new relationships with valuable people, people that you want to get to know more, without having to spend hours dedicated to email. And this example can be applied to so many different things. Even if it is something like sending out a family email at the end of the year, right? You want to send it to everybody individually so you can customize it a little bit. You could do that with Text Expander too. And you can create an entire email reply system with Text Expander. You can have a snippet on hand for every single type of email that you send. It's very easy to do. Very, very easy to do. TextExpander also has a great crossover with the very popular app Drafts now, meaning you can use your snippets in Drafts for seriously powered productivity and then send them off to wherever it is you want to send them. If you spend any amount of your day typing, trust me, you need TextExpander. It is the smartest way to improve the workflow of your communications. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast right now and you'll get 20% off your first year. Just tell them that you heard about them on this show so that's TextExpander.com slash podcast and get 20% off your first year when you tell them that you came from Connected. We thank TextExpander for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. So there's a, a story going around this week uh, along with some Geekbench scores and some, some deep diving into the guts of iOS suggesting that as iPhone batteries degrade over time, like all batteries do, that iOS may be downclocking the CPU in the phone. We've all heard people, uh, we'll hear it around the holidays, I'm sure. I updated to the new version of iOS, and now my phone is slow. It used to not be slow, but now it's slow. Because, Stephen, a new iPhone has come out, so Apple is killing iPhones. That I don't believe, but I do buy this, that that there is a a set of uh, parameters in iOS that if a battery and its uh, longevity, you know, reach a a certain threshold that the CPU will be downclocked. Uh, I could see Apple doing this to extend battery life as long as possible. So they would rather uh, a phone run at 70% speed but last all day as opposed to running at 100% speed and then maybe lasting five or six hours. I think I think Apple should tell users they're doing this. Right, you should get a little pop up. So on the Mac, if you're if you have a notebook and your battery Need service, you get a little pop and says pop up and it says, Hello friend, your battery needs service. I think you get the same on iOS. If your battery needs service, you get something in settings, I think. Yeah. And you may, but clearly you're not getting this. If this no. is happening, no. then that warning should be moved up in time. Mm-hmm. Where if you if your phone is in a state where iOS decides to downclock things at the expense of, of, you know, so you're getting battery life at the expense of speed. At that point, the user should be notified. Uh, again, we don't know this is for sure happening. Apple, I don't, as far as I know, hasn't confirmed this, but there's lots of evidence pointing to this. And uh, I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I'm, uh, do you guys think the trade-offs here are worth it? You think Apple's making the right decision if this is true? I mean, I wouldn't want my phone to explode or catch fire because 
by all because it needs to run to to be clocked at a hundred percent of the performance. I mean, if if as a user, like I I think I would want my phone to last. Um, it's a tricky question because on one hand I wouldn't want my phone to uh, to to have damage to the battery and explode or catch fire. But also as a as a, I mean I work on the iPad Pro and I, and I spend a lot of money buying an iPad Pro because I need a powerful iPad. And so the thought of the performance of my iPad is being integrated by the system and I and I didn't know this. It kind of annoys me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a it's a difficult question to answer because I don't think mo- uh, like these these uh, slowdowns like in everyday life for most people what consequence do you get like games run slower or you get worse graphics or uh, the animations of the OS are all stuttering and and you know they they don't perform as well as a as a fully functioning iPhone what's what's the real world consequence of this so it's a tricky to answer but. I don't think you should you should have a dialogue in settings all the time that tells you like your CPU is running at eighty percent because on the other on the other hand then you get people going to the Apple Store and saying well my CPU is going to eighty five what does that mean and you get people at the Genius Bar complaining about you know CPU stats like on Android um, so I'm not sure I guess if it maybe hits a certain threshold then you get like uh, your performance is cut in half, then maybe the dialogue, as you say, Stephen, should be moved up in time and you should get it fixed at the Apple Store. But not all the time. Not if the OS thinks, well, maybe we'll make it run at 10% less and it's going to be fine. In that case, do you want dialogue in settings? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's complicated. You know, Apple has a support document The chat room sent us and it it does have that warning but apple says that it shows it when the battery may need to be replaced at the end of its lifespan and if this is true then this is happening before that point right the battery hasn't failed it is just degrading Mm -hmm. so um you know there's a bunch of geekbench stuff uh, that backs this up so uh like i said i i tend to believe this and uh, i just i just hope apple uh clarifies things for their users so so people aren't frustrated because i think people understand that batteries wear out and yeah that um but you know upgrading your phone and your phone feeling slower is is not a, a great situation for the platform to be in so, yeah i think I it's know. a it's a matter of a decision of you monitor how much you're degrading the performance to extend if that's the reason to extend the battery life but if you get that kind of because i have friends with older iphones like and this year, everybody with an older iPhone that I know has been complaining about iOS 11. I haven't seen these issues because I'm on the latest hardware. And usually when you get the latest iPhones and the latest iPads, you don't see these problems. But folks with the, with the iPhone 6, with the 6S, everybody has been texting me because, of, of course, I'm the Apple guy for my friends. And like, hey, wh- why'd you make me update? Because it's my fault, of course. Because when, when iOS came out, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, updates. It's pretty good. And everybody's been complaining about this. So if you get that kind of performance issues, and, and in practice, it means uh, you cannot open notifications. It's like something uh, that a friend of mine was telling me, he couldn't uh, reply to notifications for WhatsApp and iMessage. Or wow. 
uh, your uh, your photos never upload or um, whenever you open a game you have to wait two and a half minutes something else that a friend of mine told me a few weeks ago so if you get that kind of problem and the OS knows because it's logging all of these um, extended times that it takes for an app to launch for example the dialogue should be moved up in time and you should I have a message that says uh, your battery is not fully out of service, but you may want to consider getting getting it fixed at the Apple Store. Um, so yeah, if true, if this is the reason why this is happening, and if Apple knows this data, and, and I'm pretty sure they know that, that this is happening because they do it, um, then in, in, in those not extreme cases, but... Cases where you can observe, you can observe the 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 the, 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 lo- the slower performance, and you can observe observe the issues. Then you should get the message. Yeah, yeah, Agreed. it's like one of those things where it's it's like a tricky situation. You can understand why they're doing it if they're like it's it's to help the phone, right? It's to stop the phone's battery from just crapping out completely. But people also don't want their phones to feel like they're running super slow as much as they yep. also don't want their batteries to die. So like I know this is a very like a this is a tricky situation and an Apple like way of dealing with things, but just let people choose. Right? It's like your your battery is crap. You can make one of two decisions. You can either go and fix it or you can say, hey, make the battery worse, don't change the performance, or run me a, a, a lower performance. Like and have that in the settings somewhere. I know it's not ideal, but it could at least stop people from being so frustrated, although probably it wouldn't change a thing. But I, I understand why this is happening, if it is happening. Uh, but it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's 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 unfortunate for everybody. Yeah. And if it's new in iOS 11, and it seems to be, that may be why like it's really bad right now. But once this is sort of in iOS for a while, then we will... You know, it won't be tied so much to an update, right? Because right now we have a bunch of phones out there that batteries maybe aren't great. iOS 11 has this, this system in it, and all of a sudden things are getting slow. But now, moving forward, it's going to be less tied to the updates, right? Because people's batteries will just wear out when they wear out. So this may be the worst of it. And and Apple, I'm sure, planned for this sort of, you know, customer angst of, hey, my, my phone feels slow, but it may be over before we know it. Why, why would it not be the same always though right like if if this is just a thing that exists in ios going forward then couldn't it just end up being even more of a like a perception that apple kills phones for software updates like it's just going to be a rolling thing though right i mean it but but it would be if this is new whenever this became new a large percentage of phones in the world at large we're below the threshold and are being throttled, uh-huh. right? So right, I, I feel more than ever this year that people say iOS 11 has slowed down my phone. In the future, uh, the same number of phones will be old, but they won't all be flagged at the same time by iOS. Just as batteries age, they will be flagged as that happens naturally. Does that make sense? Like there's not... There's not a starting point like there is with iOS 11. Uh, yes, I understand what you're saying now. Yeah, I get it. Like, even if it continues in iOS, it may just be like halfway through iOS 12, your phone exactly. starts to get slow. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh man, my phone's getting slow, but you don't think Apple killed it. Right. Yeah, I get so, you. Yes. That was hard to explain. Let, yeah. me, let me ask you this question to you both Do you think that Apple should 
more aggressively cut features from new versions of iOS on new iPhones so that they avoid these performance problems and the perception that comes with the software update? My question would be, what features come to mind that they could cut? Because for the most part, like... There are phone-specific features, right? So, like, the iPhone X has an emoji and that sort of stuff. But that's, you know, using hardware in the phone that isn't there on older devices. Like, I just don't know. Like, I can't think of, like, what are they going to do? Like, oh, we rolled an iCloud photo library over cellular, but you can't have that unless you have this phone. Like, I I don't know what big features they've added that would make that big of a difference. I don't know. Like, like even basic stuff, like animations like why do you need to keep the animations all consistent uh, across the entire iphone line if the old the iphone 6 cannot uh, be as smooth as the iphone 8 or the iphone 10 like even the, the like the basic stuff like you, you don't get this flashy transition you don't get this animation you don't get the uploads over cellular you don't because i wonder like is it better to have constant feature and design parity between all iphones then making sure that a version of iOS 11 at least runs decently on the iPhone 6 instead of saying, no, it absolutely needs to be the same OS with the same features and the same design, but then people complain about performance and they complain about Apple uh, because people do believe that Apple makes per- performance worse on older iPhones so to yeah. push you to get the new phone. It's just something that people believe. So why not accept the reality that people believe this and fix it in another way? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends on how good Apple think their iOS marketing is, right? Like, mm-hmm. in reality, do people know, does everybody know the new features of an upcoming version of iOS? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Does Apple like mm-hmm. to think that people do? Yeah. So they're like, oh, we can't we can't limit yeah. this yeah. because people will be so mad that they don't get it. But, they don't yeah. even know what they every backfire. time and and I guess you guys have the same situation. Every time there's the friend or the relative and they're like, So, uh tell me what's new. Show me what's new. And because because they don't they don't look at the at the splash screens when notes gets an update they don't look at the Apple website they don't read my reviews they they don't read anything they just don't care because yeah, those splash they screens don't... don't work because like nobody's like updating iOS and like hmm okay let me open every app that I own yeah to see if yeah. I can learn something <laughs> no the time that you open Notes app is because you need something in Notes. So that splash screen, all you're doing is like waiting for the minimum amount of time possible till you can go past it, right? Like none of that stuff really works. And also I pay attention to this stuff more than most people and I forget about features of iOS. (laughs) Like iOS launches and they're like, oh, it does that. I forgot it did that. So yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Look at all this stuff in here. Who knew? If only someone wrote a review. If only. But even then, I read Fiddle Your Review and still forgot about things. It's, it's, it's just like... You literally read it. I literally you... read it. Because <laughs> that's, that's just stuff. It's too much, right? Like, it's just too much stuff to remember everything of. But, so I don't know what the answer is. I, I think that it would probably be better if they were, were able to find a way to strike some balance where maybe the older the phone gets, maybe the... Yeah. You know, maybe like um, reduce motions turned on automatically or something. You know, something like that. Like if if that was such a thing to to reduce battery wear. You know, you know what I mean. There could be some things that they could do, but I don't see it happening because because you know what the other thing is. Really, you just want people to buy new iPhones. Like 
that is your of job. Of course, that but, is your job as a company. But I think it's an investment in making sure because the people that have an iPhone six today still. Those are the people that are going to buy an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 10 next year. So I th- even if, like, in the short term, you do, of course, you do want to make iOS better for the new iPhones and for the, the people who are going to get the new iPhone this year because you want money for the holiday quarter. It makes total sense. But it's also important to cater to those users on older hardware because you want them to stick around. And so I, I think it's... I don't want to say objective, but I think... It seems to be a widespread problem that iOS 11, especially on the iPhone 6, has been problematic. Is a euphemism, maybe. Uh, it's it's been damaging, you mm-hmm. know, for for customers. And so, should Apple do a better job at releasing versions of iOS for uh, older hardware that work better? And I think that they should try with iOS 12 next year to make sure that this doesn't happen again. How? I don't know. Uh, increasing the cutoff yep. for older hardware, maybe. Uh, removing features, maybe. Uh, making the defaults different between the, uh, let's say, the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 8, of course. You do want to enable features that save power or reduce the animations or whatever it is. Just make sure that even if, philosophically speaking, you do want to make sure that it's the same OS, at least do something so that it runs well. Yeah, like it is super great that Apple have found ways to like keep a lot of older devices around, right? Because it feels like that your investment in an iPhone can last you a long period of time. But if it eventually comes at the detriment of the overall experience, then maybe that's not best for everybody. And like having to do things like throttling the CPU to save battery life over time because this phone can't cope with what's going on, maybe that's not the best you know, maybe that's not the best solution to this problem. Maybe that solution needs to come before. So I would be interested. I would be very interested to see if anything changes in 12. That will show if this has actually Mm. resulted in anything, like if these Mm. complaints have resulted in anything. Because, I mean, everybody hated iOS 7, but, like, it's not like everybody stopped using the iPhone. Do you know what I mean? Like, it might be like, these are complaints that you have, but what does it result in? Like, no change. So... If there has been a change, then we would see that in iOS 12, right? Or iOS 13. We would start to Maybe. see changes in this. That that would be the indicator. Maybe you don't get Coromel. <laughs> no <laughs> machine learning for you. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Let's talk about that in a moment. But first, I want to thank uh, Encapsula for their support of this show. They will help you delight visitors to your site whilst also frustrating attackers because of their bulletproof security options and fast content delivery network. Right now, somewhere in the world, a website is being attacked. Some botnet is scraping website content, trying to break in to databases and bring that site down. But thankfully, Encapsula work hard to protect websites of all sizes with their network that can process 30 billion attacks per second. If you are a customer of Encapsula, you will be able to make sure that your website stays up and your visitors will never know. They have a huge CDN which is lightning fast, so if something bad happens, no one's going to know the difference. This is and this this CDN, this huge network that they have, this is why they've successfully defended some of the largest website attacks on record. As a listener of this show, you can get a whole month of Encapsula service for free. Just go to incapsula.com slash connected. That is Encapsula.com slash connected. You'll be able to check it out today, find out what they can do for you, and claim your free month. Give Encapsula a try. You're not going to regret it. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. Okay, so Federico came up with an interesting idea of doing 
I guess what I'm dubbing an anti-wish list. So this is a selection of things in 2018 that we would like to see Apple stop doing as opposed to a list of things that we would like to see Apple do next year, which we may get to uh, at another point. But Federica, would you like to begin? And obviously this is going to go in round robin style uh, with your mm-hmm. first anti-wish list item. Yes, of course. Uh, I would like Apple to stop adding new design languages to iOS. Because one, it's been increasingly difficult for me as a reviewer to talk about <laughs> iOS design. There are just so many styles. And and as a, also as a user, I think right now iOS 11 is this combination, this, this design salad of multiple styles, <laughs> multiple trends. There's the large title design. There's the small title design. There's icons that are thicker. Icons that are thinner from the, the era of iOS 7. There's uh, UIs with controls at the top. And there's UIs with controls at the bottom. And I get it. Sometimes you want to optimize the, the interface or on a case-by-case basis. There's uh, some apps, for example, that maybe benefit from controls at the top and others at the bottom. But in general, I think everybody can agree on the fact that iOS 11 introduced uh, more design changes again, and now we have this weird combination of multiple styles for multiple elements, and even the, the human interface guidelines is becoming difficult to follow and to fully understand. And it feels to me, and this is a point that I've made in the last year's iOS 10 review, I've made again in, in the iOS 11 review, it feels like Apple has been adding and adding on top of iOS 7, progressively not moving away from that design thinking, but trying to fix it or trying to address the concerns. But in the process, they've just ended up in multiple and different areas of iOS design, and it doesn't feel cons- consistent. It doesn't feel like a, like a, like, like an individual, like a single, like a thought around what iOS design should be. Uh, and I would like Apple to stop adding more and more to this and just have a reset and say, we're going to redo, not with the kind of dramatic departure of iOS 7, like with a drastic redesign, but just stop adding new stuff and have a, have a, have consistency in mind and get rid of elements that don't work make it all consistent, understand why some apps need to be different, uh, why some apps have, need to have controls at the top and the bottom and sideways and different icons, Just, but don't, please don't add another design style that is only available in, let's say, notes and reminders, because that's what they've been doing with iOS 10 and iOS 11. Uh, some apps have a certain design, other apps don't, and nobody knows why. So please do not add any more design styles just for a handful of apps. Like, choose one and stick with it, right? Just choose one, I guess. Or if you need to make variations, have consistency uh, for those. Because right now, I could imagine, why, why does Apple Maps need to have the, the controls at the bottom? But let's say Safari, you need to stretch all the way to the top. Um, so please just pick one, I guess. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go next. Uh, I hope that Apple stops putting all of their focus into CoreML and differential privacy (laughs) for a couple of reasons. This is my bugbear, right? Like, this is the thing that I have been complaining about um, under many different guises for the last couple of years. 
I I want Apple to start cloud using my data and cloud syncing it more heavily. Um, I want my data in sync everywhere, even if it could be possibly considered private information, like photo information, face information, that kind of stuff. Um, I would like to be able to choose to do that. Like I, I would like the ability to say I trust Apple in the same way that I trust Google. I would like them to be able to do stuff with my data. Um, I also want to see them not need to update the operating system to fix bugs in autocorrect. I think that all of this stuff is connected, and I think that they have made they made a very interesting choice in the way that they're deciding to do a lot of machine learning stuff. And I think that it isn't working so far. And I honestly think that it's going to get worse as time goes on, as everybody else gets significantly better at this stuff. And Apple is still kind of like fumbling around in a way to try and maintain the strictest of user privacy, which as long as they have the right things in place that they can be better than anybody else with that. I just I just think that as a user, what I'm getting out of it uh, is kind of just getting worse over time. And I really don't know if the trade-off is worth it for me. I want Apple to stop being afraid of the internet. Mm. That's a good one. There's some crossovers between me and you, I think. Yeah. My, yeah. Mine is more about, I think services mm-hmm. than the data, but like iCloud.com should be awesome. And it's not, I don't know the last time you tried to use iCloud.com, but it's still very much in the mobile me style of like, we have rebuilt mail with JavaScript and it looks just like mail or it looks just like notes. Um, it it's, it's web apps, very web 2.0 y to me. It does. It, 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 it felt aged at the mobile me launch in 2008 and it feels even more aged now. Good web apps and good desktop apps are different things. And it's very clever and they use sprout core and all this crazy stuff. But, um, to do anything efficiently on iCloud.com is basically impossible. Everything is slow. Everything is just like, it's more complex than it needs to be. Um, I would lump in there that iCloud email needs much more robust filtering. Uh, you can do some very simple server-side rules with iCloud. It used to be you could only write email rules in mail on your Mac. So if your Mac was off, you didn't have any mail rules running. Uh, you can do some simple stuff on iCloud.com. It is nothing at all like what Google offers with Gmail, which is my primary reason for using Gmail, or the, the filtering and rules. Uh, it'd be nice to see Apple uh, embrace more of that on the server side. And I would, like, why can't I use a custom domain like G Suite or like Office 365 with iCloud services? So if I want to use iCloud stuff, but I want to use, you know, Relay.fm with it, uh, I should be able to do that. And uh, they've never offered that way back to iTools. It's never been a thing, um, but I wish it would be. Like, hey, I'll pay for it, right? There's another way to make yeah. some services revenue. I'll give you some extra money. You give me some totally. email, email stuff. There you go. There's a way I can yeah. do that. I'll give you some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, online collaboration is a big part of this. I work in the cloud. You know, we, we try to use it every couple of years on this show, and every time we do it, it's it's bad. It's still kind of janky to move between the web and native apps. Like, Apple should, I mean, Google Docs is like king of this and, and Dropbox paper is right behind it. And I work in the cloud is just not there. Um, folder sharing and iCloud drive, like again, stuff to make things work on the internet better uh, to make people working together across the internet more efficient uh, are good things. Um, and lastly, uh, the app store is, is so 
basic on the web. You know, they have those pages. If you're on the Mac, that's all you have because iTunes got rid of the App Store. But I, I wish they would look at Google Play and and copy the feature of, hey, I can purchase this on my in my browser, and when I pick up my phone, that app is there waiting for me. Uh, opening the app store up to the web in more ways. Why can't I leave reviews when I'm on the web? Like this stuff is, is present in Google play and it's all really good in Google play. It works really well. And, uh, I think the app store would benefit from being more inactive on the web. I mean, right now it's basically read only like you click a button to take you to iTunes or to take you to the app store on your device. And, uh, it should do a lot more than that. I think this day and age. I guess, um, I'm next mm-hmm. again, I guess. This you is are. Around Robin. Around Robin. Um, Let's come around so, to you, Robin. Mm, we should have done the anti-Robin. Uh, well, I'm not sure how no structure. Like, you do all of yours and then me and Stephen alternate. <laughs> is that an anti-Robin? <laughs> I guess so, because it's like, that. it's not even a pattern, right? Like, it doesn't mm. make any sense. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, I hope that Apple stops the iPad pattern that we've seen so far i don't want to see any i don't want to see infrequent or irregular updates again i don't want to see new ipad stuff coming out in 2019 or 2020 i my hope is that apple will now stick to a more regular ipad release schedule both for new ipads and new software features I don't want to see Apple saying, oh, well, we did the new iPad Pros in 2017 and we did iOS 11. See you in three years, everybody. Uh, No, I don't want to see that again because they've done that in the past. I hope that is not the case in 2018. Uh, I truly believe that now is the time to keep pushing on the iPad Pro, both in terms of drag and drop and multitasking and all these powerful features that they've done this year. I don't want them to stop. I don't want them to say, well, now we're cool for at least a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I hope that we'll not see a repeat, we'll not see a repeat of, you know, uh, 2015 with iOS 9 and the iPad Pro, and then two years pass and we get new stuff. Um, because there's a lot that Apple could do now. They could make the kind of tablet that nobody else has. You could make the same argument about the iPad Pro, but imagine if, Apple were to make an iPad Pro next year with Face ID and uh, almost uh, edge-to-edge design and a new Apple Pencil and new AirPods. That's the kind of setup that nobody has. And hopefully we will not have to wait uh, two years. But in general, I don't, I, I don't want them to, to have that mindset that says, well, the iPad can get an update every couple of years, every three years, it's fine. So we'll see. You can imagine that I would agree with you. I, I hope so. I will uh, say for me, personally, I care more about the software than the hardware. This hardware is really good, and like I would love to have the new features in it, but it will keep me going. Time has shown yeah. me that two years without new software really hurts. Um, yeah. So I, I personally obviously want fantastic, wonderful, yeah. whiz-bang new iPads, but like please keep the progression of iOS 11 into iOS 12 because there are there are a lot of bugs in files that I just try and forget yep. about because it's the first <laughs> time. But if I have to keep running it for another year with the same bugs, I will be really mad. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with that. Like I care 
obviously about having amazing hardware, but really, like, please just continue the software push. Yeah, I was hoping you'd agree with me on this. You, Mike, as the yep. last bastion yeah, the, the of the multipad lifestyle. I yep. uh, multi after the betrayal of your robotic co-host. Yeah, been sad. What's wrong with him? A lot of Mac users were trade annual releases for every couple of years. So you say that, maybe, but I don't believe that. Do that. Like I hear this all the time, and I don't believe it. Like if people Apple, would be mad either way. Yeah, if Apple didn't have a Mac OS release. Uh, the, in June, people think right? the Mac is dead. People will be going crazy because like, oh, they killed the Mac. So yeah. I don't believe that would, for a second. I, yeah, I agree with you. It'd be it'd be a, a major problem. Be a bloodbath. But yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one, Federico. So I have a I have a weird one again. Uh, I hope that Apple stops thinking that they need to make an app store for everything in all situations. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> because yeah. the iMessage app store is just a sticker store. And honestly, there's probably a better way they could have branded that because I don't think people were using iMessage apps, guys. I don't know if you knew about mm-hmm. that, but I think it's just stickers, really. The Apple Watch App Store is still around, but is basically dead because I think that if people want an app on their Apple Watch, they just turn it on in the settings because it comes with an actual download of an app. Right? Like, if anything, the Apple Watch App Store is even worse than the, the, I, the iMessage app store yeah. because all the watch store does is download a regular app like it on your iPhone. Like the current the current standard iPhone and iPad app store that we have is great. It's gotten so much better. I check it all the time. I check it way more than I used to because I love the articles and the collections that they do. I will say so far, we're a few months in, like three months or something, and I've been really impressed with yeah. what the app store editorial team have done. But like, yep. just keep that to be the central hub for everything. You know, you can have separate like UIs inside of the regular App Store app if you really want to. But having these like weird bolted-on App Store-looking things inside of other apps on the iPhone really is kind of confusing. And it would just be way nicer. Like, if you want a sticker, you go to the App Store. There's one App Store. If you want an app on your watch, you go to the App Store. There's one App Store. And you just find a way to make that work, right? You've added, there's more space than has ever been because of the restructuring. You know, I'm concerned about the HomePod, right? Like, what is that going to be like? Is there going to be a HomePod app store? Who knows? You get a, you get a, you get a voice app store. You just need oh, to God. talk. To, to... <laughs> but like, I, I just don't think, I, I think that time has bared out that they can't replicate the app store in a bunch of different places. It doesn't even work on the Mac, right? Like, there is one app so store. Bad. It's so bad. It is the iPhone app store. Every other app store should should be killed. I mean, video game companies as I've got this pretty much figured out. When you go to the PlayStation store, you get a sidebar that says PlayStation Two, PlestaTion Three, PlayStation Four. PSVR, right? Like it's it's good. <laughs> it works. It works pretty well. No, it's not elegant, but it's fine. Yeah, and I guess the idea was to bring the app store contextually to what you were using. So you're in iMessage, good. Now you can open the app store from iMessage. Or are you managing your watch apps? Uh, well, now the, you have an app store inside the watch app. But it it didn't really scale. It didn't really work, I guess, because um, ultimately people just go to the app store. There's yeah. the app store that they know. And uh, all these... Mm, features that they added in terms of platforms and devices they just added confusion like where do you go if you need to install a sticker pack or where do you go if oh. you need to install a watch app yeah. and uh, it's and just confusing see, at this like, point they they made all of that so much better in in 11 
than how it was in 10, right? Like yeah. if you download something, it's just automatically enabled, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. And I think that that shows that they kind of, at least I think kind of realized that maybe, maybe they didn't, they didn't do that just right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Stephen, round us out. I will, uh, I'll be the final Robin. Mm. I hope Apple stops goofing around with the retail experience and focuses on things on the basics that make their stores better. Wait times for service are way too long in most stores. Uh, even uh, big stores, small stores like like here in Memphis, it can be difficult to get an appointment. If you go in without an appointment, you may get seen right away. I had that happen when I broke my iPhone 7 Plus. I basically just walked in and they took care of it. But that's not guaranteed. Uh, you don't know how much time you're going to have to spend there waiting or how long it's going to take. And that can scale up if you have more employees and you have more appointments open. Uh, and I think that's something they really need to address. Uh, the stores themselves have gotten better, uh, but the the service side, is, I think, is is lagging. Those stores are beautiful, though. They are. Like, the design is so good. Yeah, If you're stranded somewhere for three hours, there's yeah. worse places to be stranded. Um, but you're not building galleries, right? You, you, you are building a store where people buy stuff and is your main yeah. service point. Like, those, those things have to be good. Uh, so I'd like to see that, you know, I think they've spent a lot of time, like you said, on the visuals and sort of the layout and that stuff. And that's, that's nice. Um, but you know, there's still some like fundamental frustrations when someone goes into the Apple store and employees feel that too. Um, and I think they just need to spend some time sort of on the basics of that. You know, I think, um, they've done a good job with a lot of the stuff that is important, but there's a lot of stuff that's important they haven't dealt with. And I, um, I wish that they would sort of maybe pause some of the superficial changes and work on uh, the behind the scenes stuff a little bit more. So that is our anti-wish list. Um, so I guess it's a great way to end the year of positivity. Who knows? Who knows? But we know that uh, these are things that we'd like to see changed because we love Apple and these are things that frustrate us. And uh, so there you go. We are now rounding Mike. out. Yes, Federico. How would you say your year of optimism or positivity has gone? Very well. So hmm. it runs for another six months because technically I'm doing Apple's year, right? Oh, uh, okay. So okay. it's like June to June. I would say it's great. I mean, I've said this in other places and I'll say it again. I'm very happy with my current crop of technology. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I think it's great. Like, I'm really happy with everything that I've gotten. Uh, I'm happy with my OSs. I'm happy with the hardware. I would say there are things that I would like to see Apple change, but honestly, it's mostly so I can just use their stuff more because, like, the things that I don't like, so stuff about like um, the, all of like data sharing y type things, right? Where like I would have an application and it's all the data shared in the cloud. Well, I use other apps instead of Apple's for that, so I'm cool with it, right? Like, I'm not having autocorrect problems because I use Gboard, so I'm not having these crazy yeah. autocorrect problems. Yeah. And and I've made that change because it's something that I'm not happy with, right? Like, that works great for me, but I would like to be able to just use Apple's keyboard. But there's changes that they would have to make from a functionality perspective. Like, there are three, three, three things, right? My autocorrect's better, I have search for my emoji, and a swipe keyboard always. These are easy things, not easy, but these are good things for Apple to add to their keyboard. Like they are good features. Everybody wants emoji search, right? Just a better way to find emoji. Everybody wants their autocorrect to work. 
And I'm sure that a lot of people would really like a swipe keyboard, but it doesn't make a difference whether you have it or not because people don't swipe on their keyboard like accidentally, really. I, I can't imagine. So, you know, they're things that I would like to see them add, but I just replace these features in other ways wherever I can. But I would just like to see them do more. I would say, honestly, for me, I think these last six months of the year, Apple have really proven that, like, the year prior, like the last six, you know, from, like, 2015 to 2016, something was going on, whatever mm-hmm. it was, right? And they dropped the ball in a bunch of places. But I think that they have really shown us in these last six months that, like, everything's cool. That was an anomaly. Software has yeah. been mostly good. There are problems, but it's been mostly good. Hardware has been fantastic, right? Like, yes. all of the hardware that's come out since June has been great, and there's still more to come. Um, yeah, I, I feel confident about them right now, and I will say that I feel a lot better because I don't feel like I'm having to just complain all the time, which I, I really felt. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was the big thing for me. Is I felt like I was just complaining all the time, and I feel like you can complain, and we have. These are things that we're frustrated about with them, and I think it's fine to do that, but then it's also fine for, like, Last week for us, we talked about the things that we love, right? There's a balance there. But I really felt like most of last year and most of the beginning of this year, there wasn't really a lot of good to go around. But I think that there is now, and I'm very happy with my current state of technology. And uh, we only talk about all this stuff because we love Apple and the products that they make, and we just want it to be better all the time. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening uh, to Connected. At any point in 2017, we really appreciate it. Um, we are very thankful for you as a listener, um, as well as our sponsors too, because they help us make this show happen. So thank you to Balance, uh, Text Expander from Smile and Encapsula for their support of this episode and their support this year too. Um, if you want to find us online, there's a few places you can do that. You can get today's show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 173. Steven is at 512pixels.net and 512pixels on YouTube. And he is at ISMH on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Um, and he is at maxstories.net and appstories.net for some other places you can find both of those guys. But they both do more shows than just this one on Relay FM, as do I. You can go to relay.fm slash shows to uh, check out our crop of uh, things that we do. If you only listen to this show, um, or maybe one or two, I bet that there's at least at least one more podcast in our roster that would be great for you to add. Um, we'll be back next year with our first episode of next year, as we mentioned, is going to be our year-in-review episode. If you have any stories that you hope that we talk about as an important thing that happened in 2017, just send a tweet with the hashtag ConnectedYear and we'll pick it up. Um, I'm going to go now. Uh, until then, say goodbye, guys. Buone feste e arrivederci. Oh, gosh. Adios. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Come on, you must know this.